you're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Welcome to another edition of the Geek Awakens Presents Artist Alley Spotlights. I am joined today by comic book creator, screenwriter, uh, Andre Owens. Andre, how's it going today? Doing good, man. It's good to see you. I'm very excited good to, to be on the you. show. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And and you're in California, right? Yeah, I'm in L- I'm in LA. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, actually, outside of LA, but you know, uh, LA County is so big, it's hard to tell people not from here. So it's just easier just to say LA. You know. Right. No, I I am about three and a half hours from Chicago. And so, yeah, like I, whenever I say I'm from Illinois, it's always, oh, you're from Chicago? Like, sure. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I know that California got hit so with uh, some pretty bad storms. How you how you holding up? Holding up good, actually. You know, it's so funny because the storm was supposed to hit right in the area where I was. They were talking about bringing, you know, uh, mudslides and a lot of flooding and everything. But surprisingly, we didn't get hit that hard. Now, L.A. itself, I saw, got hit pretty good because I saw a picture of Dodger Stadium. and It looks like a castle with a moat around it right now. But, you know, that's it sits in Chavez Ravine. So it's a ravine. It's fortunately going to fill it up with water, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, so I know other places got hit hard. I just saw Orange County lost power for a while. So, but other than that, I think everything we went through pretty easily. A lot easier than what they th- we thought it was going to be. But of course, we had the you know we had the earthquake during the middle of it, so we had the hurricane. You know, yeah. <laughs> I I don't envy you at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's good. But you know, look, man, it was in the, for the last like you know five or six years, it's been such drought. So all the rain we've been getting the last six seven months has been you know awesome for us. Oh, I bet. I I bet. So, but we're not we're not here to talk about the weather. We are here right. to talk about <laughs> your Kickstarter for Bovine League number two. You're in the final stretch for this Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, what's the elevator pitch for this comic? Okay, so the Bovine League are genetically altered superpowered cows from Switzerland who are on a mission to recover the stolen cosmic udder in the fourteenth of matter from the mad god Nandi, who was going to use them to unite unite them and take over the world. I love this. <laughs> like, I, I was doing research for questions, and I'm just like, I, I love every part of this. So, Thanks, man. <laughs> the, you're welcome. Uh, for those who are new to Bovine League, you, you kind of touched on it, but how how did this team come to be? How did they get their superpowers? So uh, in my world, so my, um, you know, like everybody, I have a um, whole Hero Unlimited universe. Hero Unlimited is the name of my company. It's H-I-R-O, Hero Unlimited. Um, so we have a whole universe that's going on there. So the Bovine League are part of that universe. And in my universe, there was this thing that happened called the Great Awakening, where uh, all, all animals became sentient. And over, over time, they developed human-like traits. So the bovine league came out of came out of that uh, that great awakening happening. We've never actually discussed uh, how they each individually got their power, and that's something we will get into at some point. But this first story arc is really you know concentrated on them trying to find this you know stolen cosmic utter. I love it. I love it. So when you were coming up to the idea for this comic, I, what did you like? What made you decide? Hey, these need these characters need to be cows. <laughs> All right. So it's so funny. So, it, it, you know, inspiration can come from anywhere. You know, you talk to people and you're like, wow, you got that from, you know, reading a book or you got that from watching a photograph, you know, watching a film or whatever. So for me, I was on vacation in Switzerland, of all places. And I was, you know, going through Europe and I was buying different things on my vacation, you know, having a great time. And I bought this coffee mug in Switzerland. Didn't think too much about it until I got back here to L.A. So I got back into L.A. and I was drinking coffee one day. And on the mug, it has like a cows because Switzerland, the, the cows are big in Switzerland. So it has cows representing each canton or state within Switzerland. 
And each cow had like the colors of the flag, much United, just like the United States color, your flag colors do. So I'm sitting there look, drinking coffee, and I said like, hey, that's a good idea, superpower cows. And that's literally where it came from. So it was very, it was very, you know, very simple idea. But you know, I've loved. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to write. You know, because there's so many great things you can do with superpowered cows. <laughs> that is that is wonderful. And I will just say, as someone who lives in the Midwest, whenever I travel anywhere, I always see tons of cows. So like, I'm yes. never going to look at them quite the same now. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. Yes. Yes. We we have a convert. You know. To the cow cult. <laughs> the cow cult. I love it. I love it. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about the Kickstarter itself. Um, let's tell us about some of the reward tiers. Okay. Um, also, when I was looking at the reward tiers, I loved how they were all cow puns. And yes. As as someone who loves puns and dad jokes, like that warmed my heart. <laughs> well, you know, look, you can't you can't write a comic book about superpowered cows that are having cow puns. You know, it would be it would be absurd not to do it. But that was uh, a lot of that has to do with my friend David Al Johnson, who helped me come up with a lot of those puns. So you know, much credit to him. But uh, so the Kickstarter rewards are really cool, I think, because we have a five dollar tier where it's not just a thank you, but you actually get you know a digital copy of issue two of the Bovine League. And then it moves on to a $10 tier where you'll get all of the Bovine League. So the Bovine League has uh, uh, three issues before this. They have issue number zero, which is the introduction, and issue number one. And then I have a book called Hero Unlimited One-Shot that features individual characters from my universe. And the first issue features a cow from the Bovine League, Basil. So you get all three of those plus issue two digitally. At $15, you get all of those plus all the rest of my Hero Unlimited comic books, which is 10 more, plus five additional Friends of Hero Unlimited comics. So you get like 18 comics for $15 digitally. At 25 is where you finally get a, you get the physical copy. So you get the physical copy of Bovine League number two, plus all the all the previous um, digital copies. And at 40 is our catch-up tier, where you'll get uh, the physical copy of Bovine League number zero, number one, number two, and Hero Unlimited one-shot, plus all the, you know, previous copies and then we skip to a hundred dollar tier where you get the the newly um released omegan chronicles graphic novel which is a 230 page graphic novel so you get that plus everything before at 200 dollars, you get everything in the hero unlimited catalog so you get all physical copies of all the books plus all the digital books plus a, a notebook of with the, the bovine league on and then we have two cool uh really ultimate $500 tiers. We get to talk to some of my friends who are Hollywood insiders, like um, my friend Daryl Lamont Wharton Rigby, he's an independent filmmaker out of Japan. And he makes a lot of great independent films. And he'll give you an hour of his Zoom time to tell you what it's like to make indie films, you know, how to do it, how to raise funds, you know, kind of information that people really want to know about that. And then also you can talk to a guy named Russell Farmarco, who's a uh, veteran of um, Hollywood uh, sound production. He does post-sound production. And he'll take you for an MC. He's, he's been working with everybody from uh, you know, Christopher Nolan to Richard Linklater to just tons of people. He'll take you on an inside journey of what it takes to, you know, to do sound in Hollywood and post-production because, you know, often you're watching a movie and you're like, why is that so loud? You know, or, you know, I, you know, why can't I hear this? So he'll answer all those questions for you. So that's all the cool tiers we have for rewards. Nice. Um, two things I want to mention about that. First, uh, yeah, the, these Zoom one-on-ones, like I have paid attention to a lot of Kickstarters. I've contributed to a lot of Kickstarters. I'm not positive I've ever seen this as a reward tier. That is so cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was something I've done in a previous Kickstarter too. You know, um, which was which it was very successful for me. So I, uh, you know, I was just went to different friends this time and asked, you know, if they would contribute their time. And you know, you know, I just when you build relationships with people, people want to work with you. Mm. You know, 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, other thing I want to point out with these re reward tiers, I mean, for what was it? The fifteen dollar tier is where yeah. you get all you know all of your comic books plus more. Like that is such a steal. I think so too, you know, because often you know, $15, you may only get, you know, the original book or something people offer. So I try to offer as many books as I possibly can, you know, that they're financially capable of doing. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. So, like you said, this is officially issue two, yes. technically issue three, if you count zero. If you count um, zero, yeah. Do, do you have, like, so how much of the story do you have planned out? Do you have, like, okay. an entire first arc? You know, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, there's a so there's this first story arc where they're chasing the cosmic utter in the fourteenth of matter. It's a six issue planned story arc. So issue one was like an introduction to the the bovine league where you get to meet the characters, see their personalities, and you see who they are. You know, see them on their off time. Issue two is where the actual uh, odyssey begins. So they they end up they go to uh, uh, issue two they go to Scotland to face the sorcerer king of Scotland, Black Angus. He's a you know, mad cow guy, a king of Scotland. So they fit, that's who they see in issue two. Issue three finds them going to the North American continent and going to like uh, Lancaster County, you know, where the Amish are. And um, they have the, uh, they meet the Holsteins, which are like the, you know, the Frisian cows, the black and white cows. Now the Holsteins are like a, like a fantastic four, all, uh, all cow women's group. And they're not really villains. So it's a, they unite with the Holsteins, the face of, you know, it's issue there. Issue three will have them going to Texas, the, uh, the face uh, Bushwhacker, the bull and Austin Hole, Texas. And uh, their Babe the Blue Ox is a nemesis of this of Bushwhacker the Bull. So, you know, so we have, you know, we introduced that. And then issue five has this going to Japan where they face off with the Kobe Beef Syndicate. And this woman known as Big Cow, she has uh, three kaijus, but they're not like traditional kaijus. They're actually giant chickens. So she controls them. Issue six wraps the whole thing up back in India where they, find, they finally confront Nandi and, the, you know, the, the cosmic out in the 14th of matter. So it's a whole worldwide, you know, global uh, experience. I love it, and like the idea of having one of your villains named Black Angus, like yes, that's brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> well, if you're gonna have, you know, if you're gonna have a, a Scottish cow, what else are you gonna name him? I mean, it's just so obvious, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, Bowie League. It also features some fantastic art by uh, oh, Christian yeah. Alaminos. Yes, Christian um, Alaminos. Yes. Yes. So how much collaboration was there between the two of you, um, especially like with coming up with these characters in this world? Like you can tell that there was a lot of thought into a right. lot of these characters. Yeah. So originally I um, the original character designs were done by a friend of mine, Shai Lurie, who's a great artist. He's an animation guy. Um, um, out of, I think he worked in Titmouse for a while, but um, uh, he did, did the initial character designs. But then when I was going to create the book, uh, originally, I was thinking about the artists I knew, and I'd worked with Christian earlier on one of my previous books, Sisters of Power. So I knew his talent. So you know, um, one of my one of one of the tricks I have um, in the in the comic world is finding the right artist for the right book. So I knew, you know, I was looking around for my artist friends, like I want to do this bovine league, and it's like, you know, this guy wouldn't be right, no, she wouldn't be right, you know, that's too much like manga. I really don't want it that way. So I thought about Christian. I was like, he'd be perfect. So we did the issue zero, and I swear, when when the first panel came up for issue zero. And I saw Zurich and Lacey Swiss. The colors just popped off the screen, off the page. It just, it was just, I was blown away. So I knew I had chosen the right, the right artist to work on it. Yeah, Christian, it, we work together so well. He, we're in simpatico about things. You know, I can say like, you know, I want this, I want to do this this way, and he immediately knows how to do it and does it with the right angle. You know, often because like, you know, when you're working in the comic book world as the writer and the, as the um, creator, 
you're like, you know, if you want to put it in film terms, you're like the writer and producer, right? The showrunner, if you want to put it in television terms. But Christian is the director and the cinematographer. You know, he's choosing the angles and choosing all these things, the expressions. So it's a very, you know, you have to work together. And, you know, my background in film really helps. It, it helps in that. Uh, you know, I've really worked collaboratively really well with him. Um, so let's talk about some of your other works, because like we kind of touched on, you know, Bovine League is just the, the tip of the iceberg for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, the Omegan Chronicles, uh, it definitely caught my eye. What right. is this book about? All right. So the Omegan Chronicles was an over 20 year in the making book. So I've been working on this book since the, the or late 90s and the early 2000s. I wrote the script, the original script years ago, um, and I slowly been putting it together. So it's a 230 page book. You know, and I financed it basically all out of pocket. So it's taken me a lot of years to get it done. But the Omegan Chronicles is about um, basically about a guy, a superhero who is returning to the planet Omega to try to find the missing king who's been kidnapped. And he goes on an adventure around the world to find the missing king, his friend Redskew. Um, and uh, they go, he goes on many adventures. There's six long chapters. Uh, they uh, traverse this world that's um, diverse. There are, you know, sea monsters. There are werewolves. There's... There's teleporting supervillains. So it's a whole uh, gigantic adventure. It's a little more serious than Bovine League. Bovine League just allows me a little bit a little more you know, comedic. Uh, no, there's some you know, humor in my books. And I obviously write like a lot of humor. But um, you know, Omega Chronicles is my, you know, my life's work, basically. I've been working on it for so long. Okay. And, and like you said, you've, you've been working on this for more than two decades. You know, like, yeah. How long did it feel like when you finally saw the finished product and you're like, oh, this is finally, finally real. I have a copy of it right here. And I and I was just like I am right now. I'm so proud of it just to hold on to it. You know, I published a lot of other books over the years, mm -hmm. but just to have this and to physically hold on to it, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. You know, I felt like a child again, you know, because, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of writers do the same thing. You know, I write comics that I want to read. You know, I write, mm -hmm. you know. That's one, you know, one of the things I, I tend not to read a lot of mainstream comics anymore. I read a lot of indie books, and I, you know, I mean, I read the mainstream books that friends of mine are writing, um, you know, just out of just out of my friendship. Um, mm -hmm. But I tend not to read a lot of books, the mainstream books. I really don't want to be polluted with um, styles that are just current, you know, because when you're writing indie books, they have to be, you know, they have to last for a long time. You know what I mean? You may be selling that same book seven, eight years from now, you know, so you don't want something that's just, you know, very specific for that era. You're making references for those kind of things. Like we talked about, uh, all of your comics are available on HeroUnlimited.com. And like you mentioned, Hero is spelled H-I-R-O. Um, tell us about some of the other comics that are available on that website. Okay, so the first book I ever did was called Force Galaxia, which is a, a sci-fi superhero book. It's uh, an anthology featuring three different stories with each, with each issue. So the first is about the characters from Omegan Chronicles. It's about this character, Francisco the Supergreen, which he hates that name. It's just it's an inside thing where he's like, ah, oh, why do they keep calling me that? It's not my name, but that's what he's known <laughs> as. So, you know, it's this frustrating thing. But so the first story is about him when he's, when he's a teenager, like 14, living on a future Earth, and him and his little gang of friends and how they run around the, 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 the Earth and they're forced together to become this group, Force Galaxia which is my main superhero group. And issue, you know, the second story in there was the original Megan Chronicles, which I serialized the first two chapters in, in Force Galaxia before taking it out of the book. Um, and issue three features the Sisters of Power, which is an all, about an all-women's detective agency on Earth's rebellious moon. So that was my original book, and there's been three issues of that published. And then I have a book um, called uh, The Milky Way Defense Marines, which was my version of like the old Sergeant Rock books, but it's set in my futuristic universe. So instead of Sergeant Rock, we you know, feature um, Sergeant Melody Stone, 
You know, so, uh, you know, so it's my take on, you know, that kind of like war book, which I really enjoyed writing. Uh, so that's another book I do. And then he, I've mentioned the Hero Unlimited One Shot, which is a book that I features. My plan on that is to feature either a new artist with an established writer or an established writer with a established, you know, or a new writer with an established artist. So I have several scripts that friends of mine have written and I'm, you know, constantly you know, I'm compiling all that information for future issues. So we got all that. I do a book. Um, for, well, then I do the Sisters of Power, actually. I pulled that out of. Um, Force Galaxia, and, uh, and it's a new standard. It's a re, uh, re uh, revamp of the Sisters of Power. You know, a book about Earth's rebellious, a, a team of superpowered women on Earth's rebellious moon. And I pulled away from writing some of that. I, f I found a woman writer to help me write that, and I've got a great um, another friend of mine um, writing writing with that too, John Crosby and uh, Isis Climes, a great writer. So they've taken over the, the scripting skills of that. So um, all that's working together. And then I have this one book that I wrote that was autobiographical. Uh, I worked on a bong store on Melrose in the late 90s. And I wrote a, uh, this comedy called uh, The Stone Age, a Hollyweed comedy about my <laughs> adventures working there on the first couple of days. So, so much crazy stuff happened. So that's all the books I have to offer. And you can find them all on HeroUnlimited.com. Um, you know, and just click on the link, you know, click on the link and click on buy and you can get them right there. I'm, I'm going to throw this question out at you. Uh, have you thought about a team up of the Milky Way team and Bovine League? I feel like that's just natural. Oh. Yeah, well, I, you know, what's, what's funny about that is that uh, um, I have, uh, so Omega Chronicles is this, uh, you know, my long, like I said, 20 year in the making book, but in my, in my mind, it's a true part of a trilogy. So there'll be this, the second book, which, which I'm writing right now, I've written about 60 pages of it, but I'm writing it right now called Omega Wars, which is, uh, which will feature like, it's my crossover for my universe. It's going to feature all the characters. So the cows will cross over, the sisters of power will cross over. So they'll all be within that, the you know, Milky Way defense Marines. There'll be all kinds of stories, you know, within that. And I'll be able to riff on like, um, you know, war movies that I really like, you know what I mean? So that's one of the things I, uh, I'm really enjoying writing that. So I can, you know, I'm you know, riffing on like uh, the longest day or a bridge too far or 55 days of Peking, just these you know, old war movies I think are interesting. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> so, like we kind of discussed before, um, in addition to comics, you're also a screenwriter. You have experience yeah. in film and everything. Um, the the Ryan's Guild of America strike, it, it's been going on for over 100 days. days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've been over 100 days. So, from your perspective, um, why is this strike so important for writers? Well, because it's one of those things which at a junction because so basically, you know, the last the last deal we had was um, with um, DVDs and, you know, that kind of things. The market completely changed. The streaming network market now. Right. And the, mm -hmm. what it is, these streamers don't open their books. So we as, you know, as creators, as writers and actors, too, don't know how much money some of these shows that we're working on are making. You know, in the past, there were deals like if you get, you know, if you got a network TV deal, still this deal, if you get a network TV deal, there's money in residuals, there's money in reruns, you know, and those kind of things. But with streaming, there isn't that. You get your, your one your one pay, and yet we, you know, some of these things are making just hundreds of millions of dollars, and we're getting nothing. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen the things going around the internet, some of the residual checks for, like, people who work on big, you know, big-time thefts, like Orange is the New Black and things that were popular, getting three and four cents. So... That's one of the things that we're, you know, we're like, they need to open the books and be honest with us about how much money they're making so we can actually see. So basically, the basic numbers, if you want to just put in raw numbers, this isn't like, this isn't something where we said we need this money, but this is, you know, com you know combining everything that we want. We came to them with about $486 million, right, which is peanuts for these companies. You know, we're, this is all of the, you're talking Amazon, we're talking Apple, you know, we're talking all of mm -hmm. these giant corporations. 
operations. So we came with that, and they came back with us with like $88 million. So we were very far apart. Now, negotiations have got us much further to get closer together. And one of the sticking points right now that's holding out is uh, writers' rooms on for television. Um, some Now, some writers don't agree with this, but, um, uh, uh, you know, what we want is a minimum number of writers in the room to guarantee so that, you know, so new writers can get the experience and so they can get to be showrunners eventually and that sort of thing. And so it's kind of a little sticking point right now. But like I said, not all writers united on that. Some writers are like, we should allow showrunners to decide how many, you know, people they want in the writer's room. And then other writers are like, no, you know, we we need a specific number so that it's just, you know, it's union numbers so that we don't lose mm-hmm. lose lose any power. Which, and, and that makes sense too, especially when you've got like younger writers because how are you going to get the next, you know, right. big, you know, genius showrunner without them starting off like that? Right, exactly. That's that's really the point for me, at least for me. Now, I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but for me, it's like a, a very strong sticking point that it gives the opportunity. So I, I got into writers go through feature films. I'm, I'm not a television writer. I'd li- I've pitched things for television, done a lot of work. And that's another thing we're talking about. Like, so, for instance, I had a TV show um, and I had gotten Lionsgate. I had gotten Lionsgate TV behind it. I got Universal Music Group. It's a show with music, so about music. Mm-hmm. I had Universal Music Group behind us, and we pitched it to all the streamers to no avail. But that was like an eight-month progress, a process, and I got paid nothing for that entire process. You know. Wow. So that's you know that's another thing that happens in our in our world. That's that's things we're fighting for. Is like you know there's got to be some kind of compensation. We can't keep giving you free work. You know, uh, for you just to say no. Hmm. Um. So, as a screenwriter. Do you do you ever have the itch to adapt some of your comics to film in one way or another, or is that something that you just you want to keep separate? Well, it's it's so funny. I uh, I don't think of my scripts as films. You know, my comic book scripts. It is really separate in my mind in the sense that now I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it's not one of those things. Like I was on a previous podcast and someone said, oh, you know, who would do the voices for your characters? And it's something I didn't really think about. You know, because I don't think I'm not thinking of those terms for the for the characters when I'm you know writing them. I'm I'm also bad about that. You know, a lot of people are great about fan casting things and you know oh this guy would be great i'm just really bad about that you know i'm bad about knowing who actors are so you know it's, it's one of the things i mean i was a cinematographer for most of my career before i became a you know comic book writer and then a screenwriter so i worked in you know on the uh, on the production end of a lot of stuff so what advice do you have for people wanting to break into writing whether it's screenwriting or whether it's comic books okay um well there's a couple things so one of the main things I like to like to tell people about is it's um, when you're going to be writing is to know the difference between your story and your plot. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. the story is about what the story is about what it's, what it's about, and the plot is about what happens, right? So you you know, and you take like Hamlet for instance. You know, Hamlet is about a guy who can't make up his mind. That's the story. But the plot is this guy, the same guy, thinks his uncle killed his father. So you know, you have those things. So I think. You're, uh, you should know those the separation of those two things. You know, sometimes when I talk to young writers, you ask them what their story is, and they'll tell you their plot. You know, just go on and on and on about their plot. And it's like, well, that's great and all, but, you know, you need to know basically what your story is so that your plot services that element. So that's one thing I always like to get across. Um, one of the things I like, and the other things I like to say is um, there's like a four-part thing I think about um, being somewhat successful in writing and maybe just any filmmaking, any, and maybe any creative, in, you know, endeavor at all. But, you know, one of the first things is perseverance. You can't give up. 
You know, I mean, that's like like my own Megan Chronicles. You know, I worked on that for over 20 years. You know, I kept, you know, I, different artists were helping me out throughout the years working on it. It was one of those things that I didn't give up and I and I won't give up because if you give up, you're never going to make it, right? You know what I mean? You're never going to succeed in whatever you're trying to do if you just give up and say, well, I, you know, I've put three years in, but this is too hard or whatever. The second thing is relationships, like we touched on a little bit earlier. You know, it used to be, I think, before the modern era in social media, you could be like this jackass writer or this jackass director and people be like, oh, but he's talented, you know, or whatever. But now it just gets out. It's like, oh, man, the motherfucking, oh, excuse my language, that guy yelled at people and, uh, you know, on set. You know what I mean? So that, those kind mm. of things. So relationships are very important. You know, it's like that's how I actually got into WGAs through, a, you know, one of my friends remembered an idea I had and brought me along. And, you know, that's how it works through relationships. And then after you have those two things, you, you have to have luck. You know what I mean? You really do have to have luck and that, you know, with that is the opportunity and, you know, and, and you're, you're personally you're prepared when an opportunity comes and that you create your own luck. And then if you have all of those things and you get the opportunity and you do all that, you have to have some kind of talent, you know, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. You, you know, you, you may only have one thing in you. It's like me. Like, I think I have one great film in me. I'm like, like, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm a, a great director or anything by any means. But I, I have this, like Charles Lawton with Night of the Hunter, I think I've got one great film in me. So I think if you know yourself that way creatively, it really helps. And, yeah, and a lot of those, you know, whether it's perseverance, relationships, all that stuff, that, you know, that, that's not specific to writing, too. You can apply no. that to pretty much anything, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, um, it's like I'm, I, I also talk about uh, the, the production triangle for people who are working on, you know, on creative endeavors. So the production triangles, basically you have you know, this triangle, right? And you have fast, good, and cheap, but you only have two of those things. You can have it fast and good, but it won't be cheap. You can have it cheap and good, but it won't be fast. So you can have two of those three things. So if you go into doing any production you're doing, whether it's a theater production or, you know, making a comic book or writing, you know, keep those things in mind of how you're going to produce that. You know, like for my Omega Chronicles, in my mind, it was slow, but good. You know, it, it was slow and cheap, but good. So, you know, that's that that's the way I worked with that. But other things, you know, Hollywood works, you know, fast, fast and good. And it's not cheap. You know, that's the main thing. Uh, so do you have any plans to be at any conventions coming up where people can see you in well, person and buy all your stuff? Yeah, I'm hoping to get to be at L.A. L.A. Comic Con later this fall. Um, and then I'll definitely be at uh, Black Comics Day in February. That's in San Diego. Um, that's a big a big event on the calendar for me. So I'll be the you know definitely those two days. I'll try to find some other conventions to be you know go to around the uh, the Southland. There's another uh, convention out here in uh, um, uh, San Bernardino County. My friend runs, so I'll be doing that one. I forget the name of it at this point, um, but yeah, I'll be doing certain conventions over the you know over the next six months. Awesome, awesome. And uh, where can people find you online? Okay, you can find me online. Most of my socials are at Redskew. So R E D S K E W. Um, now, Instagram is at red underscore skew, so threads is the same way. But everything else, uh, TikTok, uh, you know, Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, um, are all at red skew. Yeah, it will never be X to me. It's always right. going to be Twitter. Like, that's I just, know. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to <laughs> even think that way. Right. So uh, one more time, give us the details on the Kickstarter for Bovine League number two. Okay, go to Kickstarter and look up Bovine League number two. So you can get all the amazing reward tiers that we have. We really, really need your assistance now because we're coming down the stretch and it doesn't look like we're going to make it, but you never know if you guys come in and help us, it'll really do it. So, you know, 
I implore you to come out and uh, support the Bovine League number two. And you won't be sorry. Like Christian's artwork is just incredible. And I think you won't, you know, won't be, you won't be um, uh, disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the artwork, what, uh, you know, what parts I read about what the story is. I mean, it's all very moving. So yes, um, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Andre, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you Great so man. much for, for coming on the show. Mitch, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Absolutely. man. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. All right. Take care. You too. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>